Man, it got quiet super fast. Um, I just want to see everyone for a minute. I don't, I'm not up here often a lot, um, mainly because, um, just because I just want to take less time. Hey, Ruby. She's like, just get it and go. Um, so today we're going we're gonna to jump right into um, Acts 3. It's um, the story how the, the Spirit of God is moving in the uh, disciples. And it's an amazing story of interruption um, of the lame man. So if you have your Bibles, you can look to your Bibles or you can look to the screens and I'll read it and then we'll pray and then we'll kind of get started. So it starts off like this. Got my Bible today. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and his ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them in the temple courts, walking and jumping praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they were recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what has happened to him. Uh, it's an amazing story. So if we can all pray together, um, be in kind of unity to, to seek the Father, um, and let's just ask him to help us. Okay, uh, if you can bow your heads and close your eyes, and let's pray. Papa, we are your children, and you are our Father, and God, we need your help. Just as my own son would come to me and say, Papa, help me, and I will help him. So, Father, would you help us understand your word this morning? Would you convict us? Would you challenge us? Would you... Equip us to be your people in our communities, our city, in our world. And God, would you hold back the darkness? Would you hold back distractions so that we may be present with our bodies and our minds in this day? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So a little bit about myself. Um, in my therapy sessions, I have been learning about God and my own emotions. Very, very, very interesting. Woohoo! thank you. Um, but in an interesting way, I've been connecting with God through art. I never knew I was an artistic person until I went to therapy. And most of my therapy sessions is drawing, uh, it was collages, and it also is poetry. I'm a writer, I like poetry. 
Um, so this new connection poured over into my preaching. So I said, instead of just looking at commentaries, won't I just write a poem that connects with Acts 3? And I did just, th just that. So I'm going to read my poem to you, and then we'll kind of talk about the story. So who, who, for most of us who don't know about poetry, you don't clap. It's, not, it's just like this, okay? So when, I, when I'm done, you can either do that or you can just listen and take it in. So I'm not going to do a lot of expression because I haven't really performed my poems or spoken word in that. So I'm just going to read it, and it's connect, it connects to Acts 3. It starts off like this. It's called Divine Interruptions. The gut-wrenching... The gut-riching contractions and the irresistible urge to push came to a relief. The physicians told my imam, my mother, he's here, he's here. She was delighted to meet, talk to, and hold me close. I never felt safe in her bosom than anywhere else. With her stare and joyful tears, she whispered, Hi, like meeting a stranger she knew. A courageous physician came to share some devastating news. He said, ma'am, your child's lower body seems to be disabled. We think he will remain lame. There's no way he can possibly walk. I am so sorry. Shalom, shalom. In that moment, I felt my Iman's guilt, her shame, her fears, her silence, I heard her cry out, Yahweh, why did this happen? This is a nightmare. How did you let this happen? She never really told me why I was born this way. She always covered up her shame with more fig leaves. The birth echoes of disability haunt me. I live every moment like I am the problem. I live every moment in confusion and loneliness. One day, my Ema's guilt and shame got the best of our relationship. She disowned me. She told me she will always love me, but I am the one ruining the family. The enemy won that day. What else was I supposed to do? Where else was I supposed to go? No friends, no family. How am I to survive in Rome? I know just the place to go, the house of God. That's exactly what I did. Every day I was carried to the house of God, hoping for spiritual change and also financial change. So I begged. I begged for everything. I begged for help. I begged for need. I begged for money. I begged for every good possible thing. I became bold and impatient. I interrupted everyone who walked by me. They didn't pay me no mind until that moment. I interrupted two men who stopped, paid attention, and said, look at us. In the name of Jesus, walk. And in an instant, every bit of loneliness, confusion, medical conclusions, and my Iman's shame was swallowed up with an exuberant dance for a loving God who met me. So that's, I like writing, so. so Interruptions is God's or God's invitations. 
So as we look at this story of interruptions, I want us to consider two questions. The first question is, what is the Spirit of God doing? And two, what is God asking people to do? So in verse one, Luke, or I call him Dr. Luke or Doc, he tells us one day, Peter, the short-tempered disciple and John, the beloved disciple, are going up to the temple to pray. Remember, these are devout Jews who devoted three special times for prayer. Morning, noon, and evening. This sacred time was a priority to them. So even though they were still Jews, they looked like Jews, they behaved like Jews, they talked like Jews, they were even seen as Jews by unbelievers. See, even though the worlds have changed, they clung to the life-given tradition of temple and prayer. It's similar to the way we as Christians do things, right? We believe that we have the Spirit of God in us and we are moving in the world. And still, we devote ourselves and our families and our children to the disciplines that help us stay connected with Christ. So just by reading verse 1, we can see that Luke cares very deeply about the small details of Jewish culture and the rhythms of Jesus' disciples. So as they walk and approach the disciple, as they walk and approach the temple, deciding which place to go, looking at the temple, figuring out if they want to go this way or that way, and they had an idea to go through the beautiful gate. There is, however, also present here the repetition of pain and the sight of suffering. There's a man, not just any man, the lame man from whom the very womb of his mother, his imam, he carried the mark of disability. Luke tells us that he carried, he is carried again and again to the temple gate to beg. Just pause and think about what it's like to beg constantly for your livelihood. To be carried to go to church, to be carried to go to work, to be carried to everywhere and beg. Just think about that. I think if we're honest, if I'm honest, that it's really hard for us to pause and think about that. Because one, we're Americans. We have everything we need. We have legs to walk, I'm walking now. We don't beg. And the hardest thing is, it's very hard for Christians to receive anything. So, as this lame man follows his desperate pattern of begging, lying on a path towards praise, he watches. He looks, he watches, and he interrupts two men, Peter and John, to ask them for money. Sir, can you give me money? Sir, right here, sir. 
This route was established by Jesus. This man is exactly the person Jesus will see and demand his disciples to see. Rather than conforming to socioeconomic classes, like, yeah, that, those beggars will always be there, the poor will always be among us. Rather than making this religious act for brownie points of like, we're going to give to the poor and pat ourselves on the back. Or rather than saying, we're on our way to praying, don't interrupt us. They rejected that impulse. Peter and John chose to embrace the interruption. Luke says, Peter and John stopped. They made time to look straight at him. As I was reading this, I was wondering what was going through Peter's head right now. Is he praying? Is he like, God, this man's right here. Holy Spirit, I know that you're with us and you're in us. What's going on? Is he angry because this man is interrupting his praying time? Or did he notice something different? Then Peter says, look at us. I can imagine a man just kind of going like, just put, put the money in the basket. It's not comfortable looking at poverty. Sickness, racism. It's not comfortable getting involved in abuse, hunger, mental illness. It's draining, it's, it's overwhelming, it's, it's exhausting. Look at us. But we must first look at it first and acknowledge it before we can do anything. All the problems in our world today, we want solutions, but we don't take the time to actually look at it first and acknowledge it before we can do anything else. So Peter and John didn't look the other way. They didn't glance and keep their pace like, no, we're, we're going to go pray. You do your thing and we'll do ours. They stopped. You ever wonder what did they see? Was it his condition? Was it his pain, his suffering? Was it something he said? Or was it his humanity? They got involved. They made time. They embraced the divine interruption. They embraced it. They interrupted their own plans. They had more important, they had a more important appointment with God in this man that would make more sense later in their story of in the temple, and Dennis will talk about that next week, but it made much more sense that they needed to stop there. So this man was anticipating something from them, which is like a social symbol of the imbalance between the have and the have-nots. He was receiving something. He said, just give me what I asked for. Just give me money. But don't we do that with God? Just give me what I asked for. I don't want you to look at me. 
I don't want to interrupt you from something important. I want you to give me what I ask for. And some of us have even agreed to this type of relationship because it's more manageable. It's more defined and more comfortable. And with any type of momentum or godly interruption, we think it's the wrath of God. God, what are you doing? I didn't ask for more time to call out my sin. I didn't ask for more time to pray for my neighbors. I just want my little lamp, my little chair, my little Bible, and my devotional life. Just give me what I ask for. I don't want you to look at me. But if I'm honest, we don't serve a transactional God. We serve an unhurried Savior, a three-mile-per-hour God who's willing to take the time to look at us, to look at our condition, to look at our suffering, to look at our pain, to look at our story, and to look at our disability. We serve a God who's willing to get his hands dirty. You look at the Genesis story, that is it. It's like God is willing to get his hands dirty, gets in it. You know, you think about giving life to someone, that's CPR. That's closeness. God is willing to get his hands dirty up close with us so that we can be in full wholeness, full praise, full joy, fullness. There was a story that I, I can remember where I was talking with my wife and I was asking her, do you want to be well? And she was like, oh, I mean, kind of. I said, Ruth, do you want to be well? I mean, I think so. Ruth, do you want to be well? Yeah, I want to be well. I think oftentimes God is saying the same thing to us. My child, do you want to be well? I mean, I guess so. My child, do you want to be well? I mean, I think so. My child, do you want to be well? Yes, I want to be well. So Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Super simple, but also very confusing and struggling as I read that, like that is so simple. He says, what I'm giving you, sir, is not the gifts of Caesars of the world, but I'm giving you something of greater value. I don't have the money to get you out of your situation, but let me tell you what I do have. I hear Jesus says, here the poor and needy will not be overlooked. Here at the beginning of post-Pentecostal ministry, people will be seen fully and clearly. Peter's gift to this lame man is the gift of belonging. The gift of belonging. And for some of us, it's really hard for us to interpret this simplicity of this scripture. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. How many of you guys actually struggle with that simplicity of that scripture? If you're honest, you guys are... Whoa, you guys don't struggle with the simplicity of it. Oh, one, 
you guys can engage. I'm actually human. I'm not a robot, okay? I, okay? If it was a pit game, most of you guys would be going crazy. Um, but yes, we believe it on paper or somewhere else stored in our head. But believing it's through us or towards us, we struggle with miracles. We struggle that God can actually do things for us. And you know the unanswered prayers that we have that have lost you hurt, had you questioned your own faith, had you disappointed. So reading this verse can cause many triggers. So I want to walk on that with ease. So what did Peter and John just witness? Were they expecting to randomly heal someone on their way to prayer? Peter and John, they experienced something more beautiful. They experienced something in the interruption. This man went from forever sitting and begging, from leaping and praising God. When the lame man leaped in Acts, I'm reminded of Isaiah's prophecy, which promises the people of Israel shalom. It says this, say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not be afraid, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Luke says, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man. Now he is truly seen, and the people are in wonder. They are amazed. They are curious about the works of God. This is the God who makes the unrecognizable recognize. I'm say it again. This is the God, the Savior we serve, who makes the unrecognizable recognize. So I have two things for you. Only two things, super easy. It's one, embrace everyday interruptions. God used this passage to, a, to kind of spark conviction in my own life when I find myself placing my plan above people and my agenda above others. For instance, Two weeks ago, Monday, I do a Sabbath. So after church, I crash, get away from people. I'm an introvert. Um, shout out to all the introverts out there. Um, but Monday is like, I go to Joanne's and I buy me a blank canvas, I start drawing, start writing things. So I'm on my way back home from McKnight Road and I get a call from a school. I'm like, oh my gosh, who is this? And it's Hey, this is, uh, this is Nurse Lauren, and I uh, just want to let you know that Eric is really sick, and uh, I think he needs to come home. And I was like, oh my, this is my Sabbath, what is going on? And um, I said, when do you need me to come pick him up? And she was like, 15 minutes. I was like, all right, so pick him up, get him in the car. You're not even sick, Eric. And I'm like, just angry. I'm angry, and I'm like, agitated, I'm annoyed, I'm disappointed because he ruined my day. But all of a sudden he gets home and he's like, 
wipes his nose. He's like, Papa, can you play? And I was like, embrace interruption. Here we go. And I, I played with him, and I was conflicted by this scripture because God was calling me to, like, just be with him. He wants me to be with Eric, and Eric was the most important thing I need to be with in Monday. I was so worried about myself. I was so just consumed with these disciplines, and they're good disciplines, but in that moment, I needed to be a dad. I needed to be with him. So the best parenting moments rarely happen on our schedules, rarely do. We often categorize interruption as a bad thing, but what if we learned to experience interruption differently? Rather than viewing all outside interruption as an enemy of our productivity and creativity, what if we viewed our life as a vessel for the sake of others? To love sacrificially, like playing a little extra hour with your children, talking a little bit longer to your coworker, answering a phone call to your mother, answering the door to your neighbor, praying with your enemy. Those are interruptions. There are constantly interruptions that we have throughout our day, but we are so caught up in ourselves. I'm not saying go look for interruptions. I'm saying they will happen. But if we look, if we open ourselves to embrace interruptions, we may usher in revelation, grace, meaningful conversations, maturity in the gifts of the Spirit, and lastly, we may actually see God, just like Peter and John. So are we willing to be interrupted to go beyond our plans and, and agendas? And this is an important question. What needs have you interrupted on your way here? It's an important question. It's what needs have you interrupted? Is it you got to get your kids out the door, let's go, let's go. It's like, mom, yeah. it's like, no, we got to go. Or is it your spouse? Is it your friend? Is it the phone call you miss? What are the interruptions that are around you that you are neglecting? And two, God can still heal and restore. I didn't put anything on this one because I know for some of us have been are kind of like the lame man. We are sitting near the temple of God, waiting to be seen by those who are disciples. So I want to trust the Spirit in this space that if, if you are someone who is, who is struggling emotionally, struggling physically or spiritually, financially, I want to create a space for you right now to respond to that. For some of us, right now, we are saying, oh, no, nope, I, got, I got stuff. I'm just, like, this, this is the part where I get to, no, nope, not going to engage in this. Don't invite me to something where God is calling me to. 
So if you are a person, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to come up in the front because I wouldn't want to come up in the front. But I'm going to give people the opportunity. If you just want to literally do one of these and then the person next to you, you don't have to even say, hey, I'm struggling with this. You don't have to say anything. But I just want us to pray for one another. If not, if that's not something we want to engage in, I can pray for us all. Okay? So how about, yes, let's do this. Let me, let me figure this out. I'll pray for us. I'll pray for us. I'll just pray for us. Hmm. God, you know the people in this room who resonate with this story, who see themselves as the lame man who has been begging for restoration, begging for your hand to touch them, to look at them. Father, would you touch that place, Lord God, whether financially or physically or emotionally, would you speak to them? Would you remind them that you have everything under control? That you are a God who sees, that you are a God who knows, that you are a God who responds. And God, I pray that you will bring your healing to them right now, even in this moment. That they will trust you as their father, their Abba. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.